Chapter 34 of Darkness and Daylight, or Lights and Shadows of New York Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by John Brandon. Darkness and Daylight, or Lights and Shadows of New York Life. Chapter 34 by Thomas Burns. Low Lodging Houses of New York, Places that Foster Crime and Harbor Criminals, Dens of Thieves. It is undeniable that the cheap lodging houses of New York City have a powerful tendency to produce, foster, and increase crime. Instead of being places where decent people, reduced in circumstances, or temporarily distressed for want of money, can obtain a clean bed for a small sum. These places are generally filthy beyond description, and are very largely the resorts of thieves and other criminals of the lowest class, who here consort together and lay plans for crimes. But this is not the worst feature of the matter. Take the case of a youth who runs away from his home in the country, or who for any reason finds himself homeless or stranded in the great city. In searching for a chief place to sleep, he naturally, and it must be said, innocently, drifts into one of these lodging houses. Here inevitable association with those who make these places their headquarters will corrupt him in a wonderfully short time. In nine cases out of ten, I am quite confident that this proportion is not too large. He is graduated a petty thief, often develops into a burglar, and may sooner or later become a murderer. Numerous instances of this kind occur every year. The cheap lodging house in New York is a modern institution. It was started by a man named Howe, who came here from Boston about fifteen years ago. His first lodging house in Chatham Street now Park Row, was a success, and he soon extended the business. When he died a few years ago, he left a large fortune as the result of shrewd management of a new enterprise. The number of lodging houses and dormitories has increased rapidly since Howe made his first venture, and there are now 270 such places in the city, containing in all 12,317 rooms. Some of these lodging houses have as many as 300 beds. There is one class in which 15, 20, or 25 cents are charged for a night's lodging, while in another and lower class the prices range from 3 to 10 cents. In the very cheapest houses, the lodgers generally sleep on the floor or on narrow wooden benches and in some places on strips of canvas suspended by ropes after the fashion of hammocks. According to the report of the Police Department of New York for 1890, the enormous number of 4,823,595 cheap lodgings were furnished during the year in these resorts. If tenement life tends to immorality and vice, Certainly the 64 lodging houses in the 11th precinct, furnishing 1,452,020 lodgings in one year, 
must have the same or a worse tendency. Reflection upon the figures contained in the table will lead to the conclusion that New York has a large population of impecunious people who ought to be regarded with some concern. An average of 13,626 persons without home and family influences lodge nightly in the police station houses and in these cheap lodging houses or poorly provided dormitories, an army of idlers, willingly or enforcedly so. Social reformers can here find a field for speculation, if not for considerable activity. There are a few Italian lodging houses in the city. They are very low and dirty, and give the police the greatest trouble of all. The cheapest class of lodging houses are generally the resort of drunkards and vicious people of the lowest type, though all of them are infested with thieves, idlers, and loafers of every description. It is no exaggeration to assert that these places are hotbeds of crime. More than one murder has been committed in them. I recall the case of a desperado, who not long ago stabbed and killed a young man in a lodging house in Chatham Street. The victim was the son of respectable parents, but had fallen into dissolute habits and was accustomed to spend his nights in these resorts. One night, the murderer got into an altercation with him. Blows followed, and the result was that the young man received fatal wounds. Another man was killed in the Phoenix lodging house in the Bowery. He applied for a lodging, which for some reason was refused. He quarreled with the clerk, and the clerk killed him, being subsequently acquitted on the ground of justifiable homicide. It was at this Phoenix house that I and my men arrested the notorious Greenwall and Miller on the charge of murdering Lyman S. Weeks in Brooklyn. There is little doubt in my mind that this murder, a most dastardly crime, Mr. Weeks being shot down in his own house by a burglar who had invaded it, was hatched in this house or in some other of like character. In the very same place, Three men were subsequently arrested for a burglary committed in a residence in Mount Vernon. In the lodging house at number 262 Bowery, we secured a gang of thieves who had been engaged in a series of robberies at Kingston, New York, who were afterwards sent up for punishment. Hundreds of instances of criminals who made their abode in houses of this sort may be mentioned. A case somewhat out of the ordinary run was that of a man who was convicted of forgery on the complaint of a well-known business firm. The forger had only been a year in this country, and for some months he had been out of employment. During this time he lived at a cheap lodging house in the Bowery. There he became imbued with criminal ideas and planned to follow letter carriers while making deliveries. When letters were deposited in small boxes in front of stores and lofts, and a great opportunity presented itself, the thief would attract them by means of long keys and a piece of steel wire. In this way, a letter from a Philadelphia house, containing a check for a large sum, fell into his hands. He forged the endorsement of the New York firm and obtained the money. 
Subsequently, he was arrested and sentenced to a long term in prison. Within the last few years, crime has increased very rapidly in these cheap lodging houses. A large number of young fellows hailing from these places have been arrested for petty thefts, such as stealing blankets from horses whose drivers have been compelled to leave them for a minute or two, or for picking up anything else of trifling value that they could lay their hands on. These are beginners in crime, as a rule, and they undoubtedly associate with older and more experienced men, who for a small sum of money tell them how to proceed and where to dispose of their booty. In this way young men often receive their initiation in crime. I personally have arrested a considerable number of men in lodging houses for carrying burglar's tools. Hundreds of criminals are made every year through associations formed in these breeding places of lawlessness. Lying on my desk are two tintypes of the cheapest sort, evidently taken in the Bowery. They represent two young toughs, each holding a pistol at the head of the other. They were taken from the pockets of the young fellows who were brought into my private room on charges of robbery. These photographs interested me, and I asked the boys how they came to be taken in that style. Oh, they answered, we held a pistol up to the head of a man one night and got his money, and we just thought we would like to see how we looked when we did it. They seemed proud of their achievement. I mention this as an illustration of the sort of young criminals the cheap lodging houses of New York turn out. During the last two or three years, hundreds of young men have been arrested for small crimes that originated in these places. In many cases, it was the first step in wrongdoing. Observation in the courts convinces me that three-fourths of the young men called on to plead to various charges are under twenty years of age. They are poorly clad and generally without means. Their crimes are petty ones as a rule and they seem to have no realizing sense of their misdeeds, or whither they are leading them. It is the customary thing, when they are arraigned in court, for the judges to assign counsel to defend them, since these young criminals have no money to pay for professional advice. It has been frequently stated to me by thieves that a large number of foreign criminals have had their passage paid to this country by the authorities of their native place, or by somebody else. When they land here, they have no money, or very little, and they immediately seek a cheap lodging house, where they can live for almost nothing, meet people congenial to them, and be put in the way of again engaging in criminal pursuits. I remember the case of a boy who came here from Antwerp not long ago and secured employment. His employer, noticing that the boy acted strangely, questioned him, whereupon the lad confessed that in Prussia, his native country, he had had a quarrel with another boy, and in a moment of passion had dashed his brains out. The boy was arrested by detectives from this office, and the matter was brought to the attention of the German consul. But the consul had no official advices about the boy or his record. 
and as no charges were pressed against him, he was discharged. He then went to live in one of the low lodging houses, where I suppose he was in due course instructed in crime. At all events, in a short time, he was detected in the act of committing a burglary in the store of his former employer. Only recently, I arrested a man who is engaged in robbing private houses in the upper part of the city. He told me that he had been sent here on account of being caught in thieving operations in his native land. He had no money when he arrived except a few shillings, and almost the first place he got into was one of the cheap lodging houses. He soon became acquainted with the inmates, who were mostly thieves, and in a little while they took him out over the city and set him to stealing. I have not the least doubt that there are numerous cases like this. But the evils that have been already mentioned are not the only ones that are produced by the cheap lodging-house system. It is notorious that these houses are used every year for the colonization of voters. A large number of men register regularly from these places, and they have not the slightest hesitation about swearing in their votes in case they are challenged. Now and then somebody comes to grief through this practice, but it still flourishes. Not long ago the proprietor of the Windsor, a lodging house on the Bowery, was sent to prison for colonizing voters. But usually this work is done in the interest of some local political boss, who stands by the owner of the house, in case the latter gets into trouble. This alone is certainly an evil of large dimensions. I might cite many other cases that have come under my personal observation where crimes have been the direct offspring of life in lodging houses. Take the case of Mike Drohan, a notorious thief who lived at the Windsor, to which reference has just been made. Drohan went to Johnstown after the recent horrible disaster and were shot and killed while engaged in the fiendish work of robbing the dead bodies of the victims of the flood. Assuredly, there was a case where a criminal got something like his just deserts. Again, these low lodging houses become the dwelling places of many of the convicts who are released from prison. These men have little money, and they naturally gravitate to these places at a critical time in their career where they are likely to find people they know. There they soon fall in with old companions, and sooner or later renew their acquaintance with crime. Lodging houses thus play an important part in causing ex-convicts to resume their former vocation. It may be asked whether these resorts do not serve any useful purpose. Undoubtedly, there are frequently worthy people, who are glad of an opportunity to get a night's lodging for a trifle. But these are a small minority of the habitues of such houses. In the course of my professional duties I have found among the patrons of these places a sprinkling of professional men who once held good positions in society, lawyers, doctors, civil engineers, and even authors. 
First they have become drunkards and have gone down the ladder step by step until they have been abandoned by their friends and have become sots in the lowest lodging houses, presenting no difference in their personal appearance from the vilest patrons of such places. Only conversation with these people betrays their education and former standing in society, and the fact that they have sunk from a lofty position through a lack of willpower. I remember one who was brought before me on suspicion, who belonged to a family that had held an exalted social position. He was the black sheep of the family, and had at length sunk so low as to consort with the worst class of people that are to be found in the cheapest lodging houses. There seemed to be no possibility of reclaiming him, and I suppose he will spend his days there. Such is the evil, a menace to good order, and the well-being of society of rapidly enlarging proportions. And the remedy? That I conceive to lie outside of my province as a police official. But I am convinced that a remedy ought to be applied, a drastic searching remedy, and applied without delay. This is not the case for a palliative. As Emerson would say, it is a case for a gun, for the knife, the blister, the amputating instruments. I will venture to offer one or two suggestions only, which philanthropists who endeavor to solve the problem may care to take into account. There is no law which governs or applies to these low places except certain sections of the sanitary code of the Board of Health which give the health department the right to exercise supervision over them in the matter of cleanliness. This legislature should enact stringent laws by which these houses should be placed under police supervision and their records and books laid open at all times to inspection. The police are the officials who practically enforce the laws, and they have better opportunities than any others for ascertaining the characters of persons and places. It should be a misdemeanor for the proprietor of such a house to mutilate or destroy his books, and he should be compelled to keep an accurate record of all his lodgers. No person who is not of good character should be permitted to own or maintain a lodging house, and bonds should be required of and licenses issued to those who desire to carry on this business. End of chapter 34